Well, good morning, Cross Church. Ah, good morning. Well, didn't that drama team do a great job this morning? It was fantastic. Always brilliant. Well, today, as Pastor Allen is away, he asked me to cover for him as we continue our series on James. <clears throat> We're going to be continuing uh, this series, and uh, today I have the privilege of speaking about one of the most powerful instruments known to mankind. Uh, this instrument has been used for many different purposes. For one, it's, it has been used for mass destruction. It's been used to start wars. It's been used to create utter despair among people. Throughout history, it's also been used to educate, to mend, create things that have never existed it's been used to make peace and also to inspire nations. Some call it a weapon of mass destruction, and others would call it a tool that brings life and hope. Here's the confusing part. Every single one of us has it. Every single one of us can use it. What am I speaking about? The tongue. As we continue the, the series on the book of James, James zeroes in on the topic of the tongue. As we're talking about putting faith into action, he talks about the importance of controlling the words that come out of our mouth. Within our relationships, uh, the words that we choose to speak can have a massive in impact on the people around us. It can cause long-term pain, stress, depression, Anger, the misuse of the words can, uh, can destroy friendships, it can cause divorces, it can also severely cripple a lot of relationships. But words can also bring life. They can bring hope and they can bring healing. With words we can repair a broken life, encourage others, inspire greatness. Words can be the source of motivation, satisfaction, peace, and joy. Doesn't that sound exciting? Today, as James proclaims, we, each of us, have significant, profound power with the words that we speak. We have the power to change the lives of the people around us. Misuse can mean that we are causing great harm to other people, but using it, tapping into that power, can have great significant benefits. Today I want to share with you a story of a, an elderly man who decided to sit down with his young grandson. He sat him down on his lap, and he says, you know, one day you're going to get married. And the little boy says, Ew! No, he said, no, seriously, one day, believe it or not, you're going to get married. He calms down a little bit. He sat him down on his lap, and he starts, he holds out his hands like this. And he starts looking at the, the small, tiny hands, and he says, look at your hands. He says, with these hands, you are not going to harm your wife. With these hands, 
you are going to serve your wife. With these hands, you are going to show love to your family. With these hands, you're going to show your kids how to serve in a godly manner. That young boy didn't think that that event was very significant at the time. But one thing happened. The words that his grandfather spoke, it remained with him. Years and years later, he still remembered that day. He remembered that moment with his grandfather. He ended up getting married. He had kids. Ended up having five children that he raised. And all throughout his marriage, he remembered that day. The words had a profound impact on him. And it turned out he brought up the kids and he did not bring harm to any of them. And he taught them how to serve. He taught them how to live godly lives. That young boy that sat on that elderly man's lap, that was my dad. Most of us, we don't realize the power, the significance of our words. We don't realize that we can significantly destroy a person or, as in this case, we could inspire and we could set the course, help someone set the course for their life. Last week, Mark spoke about the topic of faith and deeds. How if we truly have faith in God, if we really believe God, then naturally we're going to do what he says. It's natural for us to do that if we have genuine faith. So today, as we talk about faith, putting our faith into action, we're talking about not just believing God, but doing what he says with one of the most powerful instruments that we all have. We're going to speak the words that God created us to speak. James 126, if you want to put that up, it says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Today, I want to ask you, what are you doing with your tongue? What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Are you experiencing, are you living out genuine faith, or are you fooling yourself? If I went around the room today and I asked you, uh, If you have a good control over your tongue, I'm sure most of us would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we have pretty good control over our tongues. But the reality is, most of us, every single one of us, we stumble here. We say things that maybe we didn't mean to say. We do things with our words that are dishonoring to God and cause great damage. Have you ever experienced one of those moments where you say something, you speak a word, you're maybe making a comment about someone, and the person's right there in front of you, and you say it, and immediately after it leaves your mouth, you want to you just grab it and bring it back? Anyone experience that? Or you catch yourself saying things that you wish you did not say? I was uh, having lunch with, uh, with my grandma-in-law, and... Well, we call her Bapcha because she's from Poland. And that's what you call grandmas from Poland. Bapcha. Say Bapcha. Bapcha. So I was sitting with Bapcha. And 
we were kind of mingling together, and I overheard a couple days before that she was going to be going back to Poland to visit her family, and she was a little bit depressed because she knew that that was probably going to be her last time going. And so I was sitting there having lunch with her, and I decided I'm going to have a little bit of small talk. And I want, what I wanted to say was, hey, it's great that you're going back to Poland. This is going to be great. But what, I, what ended up coming out of my mouth was, so I hear it's your last time going to Poland. <laughs> One of those moments. Yeah, you wish you didn't say that. Today, you and I, we have tremendous power, and, and right here, James says, you need to control your tongue. The NIV, it, the wording in the NIV translation, it kind of gives a, a closer translation to the Greek, and it says, you need to keep a tight rein on your tongue. Uh, it's depicting the tongue as a wild animal that has to be controlled. In James 3, 7 to 8, we could put that up. It says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And that's a graphic image for all of us. Our mouths are constantly spitting out deadly poison. It's uncontrollable. It's untamable. You may be sitting there thinking, wow, that's a little bit harsh. I mean, I thought I had pretty good control over my mouth. The reality is every single one of us, if we are not submitting to the Holy Spirit and allowing God to guide our words and to use godly wisdom to speak, each one of us are susceptible to allowing poison to be coming out of our mouths, affecting the people around us. There's something called a 360 review. Has anyone heard of that? What the 360 review is, is uh, many workplaces use this, teams work this, use this quite often. And what it is, is you set up a circle of some of your, your teammates or people who, who you associate with, and you ask them, how am I coming across? And they write down on a piece of paper exactly what they're thinking. And then they give it to you or they read it out loud they say, you have to tell, you have to be honest about how you are coming across or the words that are coming out of, out of your mouth. And I wonder if each of us did that today among the closest people, among your friends, your family, what would some of these people say? And I could guarantee you that some of the comments that would come back would surprise you. The reality is a lot of times when we hurt people, with our words, when we say things that are wrong, that are evil, that are hurtful, most of the time it slides under the radar. And James says here, you have to realize that our tongues are untamable. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need God to help us to get this under control. Here's the thing. Our tendency is to overlook the words that we speak. We kind of just over, overlook it. And in fact, most of us were brought up thinking words don't really cause much harm to the people around us. Uh, we've learned that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but 
words can't do a thing, or words can never hurt me. The reality is, though, that words can hurt. Words can pierce. And the Bible says that reckless words can pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise, it could bring healing. So if we can really recognize and grasp the power that we have, if I gave you a sword and I told you, go run around with this sword or, or walk around the whole, the whole building with this sword for the rest of the day, I want you to hold that sword in front of you. How would you be holding that sword? Would you be a little bit cautious about where it's going, how it's getting swung? Would you maybe keep it in its case? Would you keep it down, making sure that no one's getting hurt? Our tongue is a sword, the Bible says. It can pierce. It can cause damage. It can cause extreme pain and depression to some people. Are we careful with the words that we speak? A recent psych- psychology article it, uh, was written and just came across this the other day. It says this. Positive words and thoughts propel the motivational centers of the brain into action. And they help us build resilience when we are faced with life's problems. According to Sonja Lemberminsky, one of the world's leading researchers on happiness, choose your words wisely. That's what she says. And speak them slowly. This will allow you to interrupt the brain's propensity to be negative. And as research recently has shown, the mere repetition of positive words like love, peace, compassion, will turn on specific genes that lower your physical emotional stress. And guess what? You'll feel better. You'll live longer. You'll build deeper and more trusting relationships with others at home and at work. You know, psychology right now is telling us, I mean, recent research is telling us that we need to be controlling the words that we speak because it will have a big impact on our lives, our health, our general health, and in our relationships. But the thing is, in the book of James, an ancient letter that has been written over 2,000 years ago, it's saying exactly the same thing. Control the words that are coming out of your mouth. They are powerful. In James chapter 3, James describes the tongue as something very small, but something that is extremely powerful. He describes it as a spark, a small little spark that has the ability to set a whole forest on fire. I remember as a child, uh, we had this weird fascination over making fires, okay? And uh, what, what my parents did, though, is they made sure that all the matches were hidden. We didn't have access to matches. But what we did do is we uh, looked around among our toys, and uh, many of you might remember, they had something called a cap gun, you know? You know what I'm talking about? And what it was, was it was kind of a roll of paper with small pockets of gunpowder that if you inserted into a gun, 
or one of the toy guns, you click the trigger, it makes a loud noise, and you can actually smell the gunpowder. Really cool. We took it apart, and we realized we can actually scrape our fingers along the, the paper and create a spark. Oh, cool. What are the implications? Uh, we didn't say that, but that's kind of what we were thinking. We looked around a little bit further. We saw some gasoline sitting in our backyard. Okay, all right, now we're talking. <clears throat> so we uh, decided to spill a little bit of gasoline in our backyard and see what this spark could do. This little tiny spark flicked it, and bam, flames. Those flames are hard to put out. So we're scrambling, trying to put it out. And, oh, that was awesome. So what did we do? We learned our lesson. No, we didn't. No. We realized that if we set fires in our backyard, our parents can see us. So what should we do? Well, we scratched our heads a little bit, and we were in a small town at the time, and there was actually a nice forest in the, in the backyard. Let's take the fire to the forest. We took the fire to the forest, and as James says, a small spark can let light a whole forest ablaze. No, we didn't, we didn't set the whole floor for us ablaze. We probably came pretty close a couple times, but the Lord spared us there. James says, a small, tiny spark can set a whole forest ablaze. A small word that you speak can have tremendous impacts on other people. Uh, like the bit of a horse, very small piece of equipment, but it steers the entire horse. The rudder of a ship. Very small in comparison with the rest of the ship. But what does it do? It directs the whole course of the ship. Your words can set the course of your life. What you choose to say, what you choose to allow to come through your mouth can actually set the course of your life. If you're going through a relationship right now, Many of us, we have various relationships, whether in family, if you have a spouse, girlfriend. We always run into conflict. From time to time, it's just a reality. We do. But every time there's a conflict, we can almost always trace back what the problem is, where the conflict began. And it always starts, almost always starts from either a word spoken or a word that was not said. The misuse of words created the conflict. As James challenges us, control your tongue. In another part of the, of the chapter, uh, wisdom, um, James talks about wisdom. And he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should do what? He should ask God, who graciously gives. So we're supposed to ask for wisdom on, on this type of thing. But I, I want to stop right here and ask, well, what is wisdom? What is it? What's wisdom? Some people say that wisdom is knowledge. Wisdom means that you have a whole bunch of knowledge in your head. That's what wisdom is. 
We have some people within our congregation who have PhD degrees, have spent a large portion of their life studying and obtaining knowledge. After they achieve their PhD, would you say that it would be wise for them to step onto a street corner on a cold day like today, take a megaphone, and start reciting every single word that they've learned throughout their years of education? Would that be wise? Wouldn't be wise. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. What's the difference? Knowledge is about what you know. Wisdom is about what you do with what you know. Knowledge is about what you know, what you attain in your mind. And wisdom is what you do with what you know, the action that you take. This is what we're focusing on here. Solomon, who is identified as one of the wisest men who ever lived, he says this in Ecclesiastes, There is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. We have this powerhouse on our face, the, the tongue. And we can either choose to use it or to not use it, to speak or to not speak. James says there's a time to speak and to be silent. And James quotes Solomon one more time. In James 1.19, he says, Be quick to listen and slow to speak. How many people know that sometimes it's more wise to be silent than to speak? Uh, that's why God has given us two mouths in one ear. So that we could talk twice as much as we listen. Amen? God's given us two ears and one mouth so that we can listen more than we speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Here's one thing that's, that's for certain. Among our relationships, you might have been, heard this before, but hurt people will hurt people. Those who have been hurt in the past, they're the ones that will tend to hurt you in your relationships. Now, we don't often think about that. We just think about the, the harm that they're causing us. But if we stop to listen, and I'm talking about active listening, then we could look beyond the words that they're speaking, maybe the arguments that they're, coming, that, that they're trying to say. We could look beyond that and start looking at the person, and even beyond that, the emotions that they're going through. You and I, if we are going to live out our faith, we need to be active Listeners, James 1.26, again, it says this. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. As some of us, we have a little bit of trouble with that word religion. What is religion? Here it is. It's a specific fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a number of persons. But I like this definition a little bit better. It is practice of religious beliefs. Religion means that you have a set of beliefs and you are practicing them. So when James is talking about a genuine religion, what he's talking about is there is alignment between what you believe and what you are actually doing. Religion is a set of beliefs. 
and practices. So what he's trying to say is, do you have genuine faith? Or is your faith dead? Is your religion worthless? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the primary objectives of our faith, to love God and to love people. This is why we were created, and this is why we have faith. So if you have faith, you are acting in love to God and to others. When we're talking about love to others with our words, it doesn't mean that you're telling people what you know, but love means that you're looking at their need and then you're discovering for yourself, what does that person now need to hear? I need to know, I need to actively listen and find out what does that person need to know? How do I speak life into this person? A lot of us in our relationships, we get into this uh, blame game. We get into a conflict, and one person says, well, I do this because of this. Stop doing that. The other person says, well, I do this because of this. You stop doing that. The other person says, well, I wouldn't do this or that if you did this. Using the blame game does not work. Wisdom tells us this. We need to work first on resolving the conflict within our relationship, and then we can move on to the problem. A lot of us, we don't have patience for that. We want to get straight to the problem, never mind about fixing the, the conflict between us and, and, and mending our relationship. We want to go straight to the problem. So here's what the problem is. Too many times, that's what we do. But James says, no, fix the relationship first. And in order to do that, we need to take action. And how do we take action? Here's a simple one. You apologize. Not so simple. If you want to resolve a conflict in your life, you use this powerhouse on your mouth. And what you do is you apologize. I'm sorry. That was wrong of me. I didn't mean to do that. That's not what I intended. I apologize. If we can get into the habit of doing this, this would significantly change the course of our relationships. We would be healthier. We would be in a much better state than we are today. Another thing is be honest. Be completely honest. As I mentioned before, we all need to hear how we're coming across. It's important. We mentioned the two, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, again, is the primary reason we are on this earth. And so in order to fulfill our calling that we have right now and to live out our faith, we need to actually take action with this. So James says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are foolish and your religion is absolutely worthless. If you want words of life to come out of your mouth, if you want the praises of God to come out of your mouth, to glorify God and to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the first thing that we need to do is take a step backward and make sure that our hearts and our minds are filled with what is good. 
Matthew 12, 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. As some call it, the, the mouth is like a window to the soul. You know a lot about the person by what he says, because what he says is what's on the inside. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, in order to combat against this, Philippians 4, 8, Paul says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Fill your mind, fill your heart about things that are excellent, things that are beneficial. Right now, in our culture, we always think about the negative things. In fact, it's almost glamorous to be a negative critic. The person that is critical and pointing out all the flaws in another person, in our culture today, we look at that person and we think that that is intelligence. Perhaps it's intelligence, but is it wise? In this negative environment that we're in, the Word of God calls us to stand out, to take a step out of this, and to begin speaking words of positivity, speaking words that reflect purity, nobleness, truth, excellence. We're meant to stand out. Every one of us today, we have been saved by grace. Jesus himself decided that he wanted to have a relationship with us. And in order to do that, he gave up his very life so that we could be connected. Today, you and I have the message of gospel, of the gospel inside of us. For many we are the only Christians, the Christian contact that some of these outsiders will ever see. People in your workplace, people in your very family, among your friends. You may be the only lighthouse in that person's life. So that means we, each of us, have an, a responsibility to live a genuine faith. You and I know that one of the, one of the biggest causes of people to not accept Christ into their life. One of the reasons why people are repelled, one of the reasons why people stay away from the church is because Christians say they believe something, but don't do it. Essentially, they come across as hypocrites. If we are going to be witnesses to the people around us, then we need to make sure that our mouths, that our words speak truth, speak love, do not curse, do not gossip, so that we could be the witnesses that God's called us to be, to to spread the light in the darkness. We talk about optimism. Many, Many people here are parents, leaders of the household. Whether you're a father, mother, your leaders within the household. And one important characteristic that every leader has to have is called resilient optimism. It means no matter what happens, no matter what, what stumbling block comes in your way, 
No matter what discourages you, you have to be able to have optimism in all circumstances. Why? It's so that people will know what's ahead. So that the people you're leading can know that there's hope. Many of us, we don't do that. And within our relationships, whether you're a parent or whether, whether it's with your spouse, your relationship with your spouse, we do not have that resilient optimism. Instead, we look at the present and we look at the past. We look at the faults of today and we look at what the person had done to us in the past. And what does that do? It creates an endless cycle of frustration and an endless cycle of despair. What you and I are called to do is to be leaders in our household. I don't care what your age is. You can be a leader in your household with this. Practice resilient optimism and speak words of life. Speak words of encouragement and tell people that there's hope for you. There's hope for the future. They say that um, for most of us, we remember negative, negative comments very, very well. Okay? In fact, uh, some people say that it takes four positive comments to outweigh a negative one. We'll remember that negative comment until we have about four positive comments coming our way. I want to ask the question, how many comments, how many positive comments have come out of your mouth today? Every one of us, we say approximately 1,000 sentences every day. How many of those are godly, pure, encouraging comments to the people around us? If I got you to put your hand up and say, is there 10? Did you say 10 comments today? Out of the 1,000 comments you said in the past 24 hours, did you say 10? Most of us wouldn't be able to put up our hand. If I said five, most of us would still struggle. Today, I want to challenge you. Today, I want you to begin the habit of using your tongue for life, for peace, for joy. I want you to pick three people today after the service and speak words of life into them. I want you to encourage them. Say something positive into their life today. Three people. And Pastor Allen wanted uh, to make sure that, this, uh, that everyone had proper encouragement for this. So if you say something negative, if you catch yourself saying something negative, you have my permission to punch yourself in the arm. I give you full permission. And you know what? We might need some help from our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I give each of you permission to jab the person's arm beside you or whoever, whoever you're with that is saying a negative comment just to catch them and to remind them we are meant to speak words of life. And that, and that includes this evening during the Super Bowl. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word that gives us uh, the instruction that we need and the hope. And Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to not just be religious with our minds, but I pray, God, that you would help us to put our faith into action. Help each and every one of us to be empowered by your word today, Father. 
to not just believe in you, but to do what you tell us to do. I pray that our mouths would begin saying words of life to the people around us, to encourage, to inspire, to help all those around us, Father. You've called us to do this, and I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would carry this out. And today, I just pray a blessing on the rest of today. In your precious name, amen. Amen.